it's great to be up here again. But uh, before I actually begin, I thought it would be appropriate if I shared my testimony tonight for those who don't know me. So I got saved about nine years ago when I was six, and we were back at River Grove, and it was in Sunday school. So I remembered that um, the teacher asked us at the end of the lesson, if we were to die today, like, would we know where we'd go? And I remember seeing everyone's hands go up except for mine. And I, I just didn't know where I was going to go. So it was the same night when I asked my parents, how could I be saved? And it was that same night that I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. So five years later, um, that's when I got I got baptized here in the same building. And I remember just like a year after my baptism, um, I began to face doubts about my salvation. Because I got saved at such a young age, it was really easy to question if I really comprehended salvation at that time. And I remembered I didn't want to go to hell because it's a real place. It was not until our church's first youth summit when I actually finally re reassured my salvation and uh, could con confidently say that I know Jesus Christ as my Savior and I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. So uh, one of the verses that helped me get over these doubts was Romans 10.13. Says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, uh, fast forward to like last year, I shared another testimony. You guys might remember it, and it was from that summer from my week of camp, and I shared with you guys how I surrendered my life to the Lord. I remembered a couple Sundays after that, Pastor Alcock um, had approached me, and he offered me a job here to intern at the church for the summer, and I remember saying that um, he wanted. He wanted to know what God wanted in my life and that he was, it was really nice to see that he was investing in my life. Um, and it means a lot to me. I really never got the chance to say how much that meant to me. So I want to thank you, Pastor Alcock, and as well, Pastor Matt. It was great working alongside you. And um, I've learned a lot from those two as there's a lot more that goes on than what we see on Sunday. It changed my whole perspective on full-time ministry and I'm willing to do what God has for me. So I'd ask if you guys would continue to pray for me in God's leading in my life. So that's enough of my testimony. <laughs> With all that being said, uh, tonight I'll be preaching on the love of God. And just looking back on my own life and my personal testimony, God was clearly present and His soul was His love. I know at times um, God's love can oftentimes be taken out of context, taken for granted, and sometimes not even taken at all. So tonight, hopefully, we can take God's love personally and seriously. So let's turn to First John 4. We'll be looking at verses 7 to 13. First John 4, 7 to 13. And it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth God is loveth one. And everyone... For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because our God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time, if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. So before we begin, let's uh, 
a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for the opportunity we have to be gathered here together, being able to study your word. Through your grace and power, as you dwell in me, help me to present your message clearly. Open our hearts and minds at this time. We pray these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So personally, I think love is a hard word to define. There are so many levels and types of love. Um, It's easier to say that you love someone, but not really show it. Defining love is hard, let alone sometimes showing love to someone can be harder. To completely wrap our heads around the concept of love, we need to know and fully understand the true definition of love. The word love is mentioned 310 times in the Bible across 280 verses. So to define love, there's no other way to go than the Bible. So for my first point, we see the creator of love. In verses 7 to 8, I'll read it again. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So in these two verses, it clearly defines, in the clearest way possible, love. Two things I want to highlight in these verses is that one, for love is of God, and two, God is love. We can't love someone properly if we don't love God, because He is, of, he is love, and love is of God. God has shown us time and time again His love to us each and every day. One example of this is found in John 3.16. The first six words are, For God so loved the world. Right there, it proves His love toward us. And He is our Creator, and He has made us in His own image. It says in Psalm 139, 13-14, For Thou hast possessed my reins, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise Thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are Thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. We are His creations, fearfully and wonderfully made in Jesus Christ. I was at camp just a month ago where uh, one of the speakers said this, We are the creatures of God who do a poor job of serving Him. We are the creatures of God who do a poor job of serving Him. And I hope that's not us tonight. God has and will always love us. Yet sometimes we're still selfish with our time and we find excuses why we can't bring honor and glory to His name. It says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So in my life, being presented the gospel at such a young age where God has blessed me beyond measure, where I was born into a Christian home, God has placed my mom and dad as the authorities in my life, it's really easy to take for granted what God has given me. Just reflecting back on my own life, church was always a priority. Even when I was sick, I, I still went to church. It was not until when I was saved, what, when I realized why we went to church, why I thought church was a priority, because it wasn't, and God was a priority. He has saved me from hell and sin and had loved me enough to freely give me eternal life in heaven. It was because of His love. In Deuteronomy 5.9 it says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So, from the verse, something I wanted to point out is that our Creator is a jealous God. Jealousy is an undesirable and negative emotion, usually fueled by anger or selfishness. The theme I wanted to carry out through this point is that we are His creation. We were created to serve and worship Him. Anything that competes for our devotion is a cause for His jealousy. How are you guarding your love for God? Our Creator should be our first love. In order for God to be our first love, we need excitement for Him. So most of us in this room have experienced love. As a 15-year-old, my experience in love is very limited. 
I hope they keep it this way. <laughs> Love can uh, make us feel some type of way that can differentiate relationships. And for God to be our first love, we need to see the feelings that we express toward Him. Do we think about Him? Is He constantly on our mind? Do you spend time with Him? Like when you love someone, you want to be with them. And is there a rush of excitement? If there isn't, then we need to reflect. We are all here for a reason, because at some point we experience God's love. And if we haven't, He already loves you. Does that excite you? Because it should. His love is justifiable enough for us to be excited. He has put you in this world for a reason and has created you with a specific purpose. You're all alive and that's because He isn't finished with you. That alone should give you excitement for God and the feel you need to have a love for God. In Luke 10, 27 it says, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Without the complete devotion to God, we will end up pursuing our own interests and neglect God and His principles. No idol is worthy of worship. I don't care what it is or who it may be, it's only a holy and just God who deserves and demands our love and loyalty. What are you putting in front of God today? God is our Creator, and we are His creations. As His creations, we should serve their purpose for what our Creator has intended us to do. Because without Him, we are nothing. It's only because of His love and His grace that makes our lives significant. So we've seen the creator of love. Next, we see the characteristics of love. In verses 9 to 10, it says, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because our God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So within these two verses, we see two characteristics that will help us understand God's love. And we see, A, it's a sacrificial love. In verse 9, it says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. God didn't have to sacrifice His only begotten Son into the world for us. And Jesus didn't have to die on a cross for our sins, but it was because He loves us so much that we didn't have to bear the penalty of sin. And it was His dying breath that has brought us life. The only way I could illustrate sacrificial love was through my parents. It's oftentimes when you look back on what your parents do for you, you look at the sacrifice they made for you to make you the person who you are today. And so, you can see they sacrificed something because they loved you. My parents moved here from the Philippines to give me and my sister a better life, hopefully to be successful in whatever we do. Oftentimes as kids or even as teenagers, we want our way. And we don't look at the big picture, but try our best to get what we want. And our parents sometimes allow it where it costs them their time, money, or whatever it may be for our temporary happiness. Just looking back on the sacrifices my parents made for me, it makes me love them even more. So this was one way to illustrate sacrificial love. But let's turn to John 3. We'll look at verses 14 to 16, where we'll see a true sacrificial love. And it says... And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God allows his mercy to overrule his justice, and that's the sovereign act of God. For God so loved the world. Right here we see that we are the object of God's love. 
the world simply means mankind and to everyone that was born. Simply taking in that our own salvation at God, Jesus' life, it goes to show how immeasurable His love towards us is. That alone should easily motivate us to obey His commands and walk faithfully in Him. And it should bring that we should bring honor and glory to His, to his name. Next, we see that in the verse it says that He gave His only begotten Son. Right there we see His love is sacrificial. He sacrificed His only begotten Son so that we shouldn't perish. That alone should be the reason why we should love God even more than we already do. The best part is that it's a free gift of God. We only have to believe in Him. He made it so easy on our part because He truly loves us. And then the last part says that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Finally, we, we see the purpose of God's love. After death, there are only two possible destinies, whether we perish forever separated from God, or we have eternal life in His presence. The only way to be saved is through faith in Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. We don't have to understand all that's involved in the process, but we just need to respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction, recognize our sinful condition, and ask Jesus to forgive us and become our Savior. The first step to loving God is simply receiving Christ as your personal Savior. And then, so that's sacrificial love. Next, we see unconditional love in verse 10. It says, Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We didn't have to love God to accept His love, but it's because He loved us first. 1 John 4.9 says, We love Him because He first loved us. In this text, this shows God's unconditional love because at times when we don't love God and question God, it proves that He still loves us. He continue, he, he's, a, he's continue loving us when we fail and make mistakes because it's unconditional. You know, as a kid, I was a big troublemaker in the family. And you know it's bad when they use their mother tongue to give you a nickname. So uh, mine was Makulit, which is uh, what my mom, my dad, and my sister would call me. And it basically means someone who's annoying or stubborn. So uh, I could remember so many times when I got in trouble, whether it was at home or school. But I'm not in trouble anymore, right, Mom? <laughs> so uh, I got <laughs> so I got in trouble commonly because I was bothering my sister for some reason. Now, as the second and youngest child, it's your first instinct. Your thought process is just like, hmm, I'm bored. Let's hit my sister. You know, just because my inner thoughts say so, and then you actually do it, and now you're in your parents' bedroom about to receive your fourth spanking of the day because you didn't learn the first time. Reflecting back on all of it, through all the ups and downs, when I've made my parents or even my sister upset because of what I do, whether I disobey, lie, through it all, they still love me. To know that someone still loves you through it all, you know that that love is different than any, any other kind of love. And to know that whatever the circumstances may be, that there is someone by our side with us, loving us continually, that's God. His love, as we've seen, is sacrificial, but it's also unconditional. When everything goes south and our world has turned upside down, He is still there. Let's uh, turn to Deuteronomy 7. We'll be looking at verses 6 to 8. Deuteronomy 7 of 6 to 8. It says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all, the pe- above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people 
for you are the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loves you, and because he kept, he would keep the oath which he has sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out with out of the, bond, the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God doesn't love us for what we are, but in spite of what we are. Although this verse pertains to the Israelites, the application is still there for us Christians. The people of Israel could remember time and time again that it was because God chose to love them. And like the children of Israel, we, He chooses to love us too. God does and continues to love us. He loves us when we're in our highest highs and our lowest lows, especially when we feel like we're in our darkest times. I don't know where all you guys are coming from today or what the circumstances you might be facing currently, but I hope you'd see the, important in rem- the importance in remembering God's love. And at times, when we, don't, when we know that we deserve the worst, He provides the best because we know His love is sacrificial and unconditional. So lastly tonight, we've seen the creator of love and the characteristics of His love. And finally, we'll see the consequences of His love in verses 11 to 13, but we'll look at it later. So, there's a hunger of love that God has placed in everyone's heart. With an empty place in your life, we try to we try things to hopefully fulfill that empty spot in our life. Whether that's wealth, different relationships, prestige, popularity, position, and all the rest. When we try these different things, it shows that we're looking for love and that we're searching for love. But nothing truly satisfies only God's love. Let's turn to 1 John 3. Look at verse 1. says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on, upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And then skip down to verse 20. It says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. We cannot replace God's love to try to satisfy ourselves because God truly knows how to satisfy every desire in your heart because he changes your thinking. It's not until we realize it that we truly experience God's love. Now, um, we'll look into our main text, First John 4, 11-13. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know that, hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. Now, consequences can oftentimes mean something negative. But the consequences we'll see with God's love are quite uplifting. We see that once we understand God's love, it'll be active and we'll be under the nature of God's love. Because we know that He dwells within us and that He hath given us of His Spirit, we can see a couple things about His love. So we, we know that, one, His love brings healing. God's love is a true love that is so genuine that it can heal the hurts and sorrows of life. Two, it brings a sense of self-worth where being loved can make us be valued as God's creation. Three, it produces a feeling of emotional completeness. When God's love fills us up, we don't require things or people to complete us. Four, it gives a feeling of security. His love calms our fears and is adequate for whatever we face. Five, it helps us to love those who have wronged us. It motivates us to forgive. Six, it enables us to be kind towards those who have misunderstood who misjudged us. In Christ, we have the ability to love others no matter what they say or do. Seven, it empowers us to serve others joyfully. We can share God's love by serving them. 
8. It enables us to develop an intimate relationship. When we have intimacy with Christ, we'll be fulfilled and experience His peace and joy. And 9. It enables us to reach other people and share God's love. His passion in us flows to others. Now that's just a long list of what I've encountered from God's love. But there's probably more that I missed out on. This goes to show that God's love truly satisfies. And His love is enough. To conclude, I thought it would be appropriate to read out the lyrics to a familiar hymn. And it's definitely one of my favorites. So it goes like this. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns His face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my ransom. Hopefully tonight we were able to grasp the definition of love, that we could see how immeasurable God's love is. It was exemplified with the first point in how we saw that God created us as His own. It was clear enough to see that His love is sacrificial and unconditional. And then finally we saw that there are blessings that come after loving God because His love becomes active and that His love will be perfected in us. We saw God's love for us, but how is our love with Him? Could you say you truly and mean that you love God? What we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we are awed by your love for us that never changes, never fails, never ends. We praise you for demonstrating your limitless love for us through Jesus Christ. Help us to always remember your love. We pray these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.